You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a fly ball on the left field. Going back is Donovan to the wall. Clear the deck. Key Brian Hayes. A three-run homer. The Pirates have taken the lead. Unbelievable. You're listening to Rum Bunter Radio. We are back. The Bucks are back. Guys, that's five in a row. A sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, this team is back in first place, gentlemen. They keep it rolling now uh, after what was just a bad May, to put it candidly. An unbelievable April, a surprising April. An April that had this team 12 games over 500 in first place. Uh, obviously a disappointing May that um, you know lost that division lead and sent them one game under 500. They have won five in a row. They're four over 31 and 27. As we join you for this episode of Rum Bunch Radio, thanks for being with us, everybody. An exciting week, obviously, on the field for the Pirates. An exciting week for our podcast. We're going to be uh, doing it in person for the first time coming up in less than a week. This upcoming Saturday, June the 10th. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, some more details. We'll get you guys here later on in the show. Uh, but a lot to talk Over about. We're at the Federal Galley. Yeah, Federal Galley. Let's, we'll start. Uh, Got to get the name uh, out there first and foremost. Uh Got to apologize to Nick uh, now that we have the chance to talk because we uh, we couldn't figure out the name for well too long. Uh, so I'm glad we um, we got it now. Federal Galley, we're going to be there on Saturday, close to the ballpark. So come join us for that, guys. Um, like I said, we'll get a we'll get a time out there on Twitter um, and talk about that a little bit more as we get closer here. About a uh, big week, guys. The Pirates, a sweep of the Cardinals, of course. Um, they have now won five in a row. As we record here on Sunday, uh, Henry Davis promoted to AAA earlier today. Uh, and, you know, that kind of opens the door to the potential of what, um, you know, what catcher is going to look like in Pittsburgh. Excited to talk about that uh, and get into everything else going on. As we get into the show tonight, guys, please check us out on rumbunter.com. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, you're obviously a diehard. You're aware of Rumbunter, so go check out our articles as well. Um, and follow us on Twitter, at Rumbunter. But uh, full crew back tonight, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso. Trey Yannity joining you guys. Uh, school is out at this point, correct, gentlemen? Correct. Thankfully, yes. Into the summer months, this is uh, this is where the fun begins. And, you know, you hope that this is where the fun begins, or I guess restarts for the Pirates here as they um, are back into first place. Now, let's start the show. We're going to dive into, you know, the Cardinals series there and, and San Francisco as well. Let's start with their top of the trolley. What was the very best thing that you saw this week, Nick? 
Yeah, I think the the easy choice obviously is the bullpen. Um, the bullpen's been much better than we thought it would be uh, throughout this whole year, but it really stepped up big, especially in the Cardinals series um, when innings were needed. You really saw guys um, not just you know do effective jobs, but uh, you know kind of like they're. Moretta, his, his just his taking that step, next step to potentially being a back end reliever. You know, I think he really showed that in the Cardinal series. Uh, I know he's a right now he's an excellent fireman, and the role he's in, I'm not saying it changed, but I think yours, you know, really saw that. Yeah, he he very well could be an elite reliever for this team. Um, also, just it was good to see a couple of the, you know guys come up from triple a and get involved um Perdermo obviously is very intriguing uh you don't often find pitchers that big let alone um coming from the left side so it we'll see uh he had very good success at triple a this year so um you know good for him for earning his way back up to the majors and same with uh de los santos you know he's someone that looked to be um you know a big part of this bullpen last year and then you know was out for most of the year with injury had a slow start this year but again um just seeing some of these young guys get promoted back up to the big leagues and get them incorporated in a team um especially in the bullpen was very uh promising it's been a huge surprise uh and just so much fun kind of took mine there uh with Dari Moreta is my top of the trolley. How about David Bednar? That's who I'm going to choose this go around. Um, the fact that we get to see him three in a row here and, uh, you know, you just – the confidence oozes every appearance for good reason. I mean, potentially, uh, I think it's safe to say at this point, best closer in the National League, uh, top in baseball as well. Marty, what was the best thing you saw this week? Yeah, I mean, you guys took a lot of mine. The bullpen, man, just so good, especially Bednar to come out three days in a row. And on Sunday against the Cardinals, looked like he hadn't pitched in a week. He looked fresh as could be, which was just so awesome. Um, also, after the game, I had I was getting ready to cut my grass. So I ran the sheets real quick to get some gas for the mower and had the uh, postgame show in 93.7 The Fan. And um, Dan Zangrilli commented on how apparently on the TV broadcast, you could see Bednar in the clubhouse just pounding icy light after the game today. And it does not get much more Yenzer. When you just picked up a save to sweep the St. Louis Cardinals and you're pounding icy light in the clubhouse, like it doesn't get any better than that. But uh, no, to get to go to go in a different direction, give me keep Brian Hayes, man. Like it, I remember, they talked a lot about over this road trip working on some things with Andy Haynes in the in the cages, trying to catch the ball out in front more, get some more lift on it, get some more drive behind it, and. It's it might be paying off. It's only four games. That's got to come with with that with that precursor, whatever you want to call it. It's a very small sample size, but he had two hits, including a triple in that series finale in San Francisco. Had an RBI single in the go-ahead three-run home run on Friday. Hits a home run on Saturday. First time in his career, he's hit back-to-back home runs in the same game within the same season. Um, three more hits on Sunday. It, it's. He it looks different. The swing looks better. He is using all fields better. He's not just trying to hit the ball to right center every time. He's getting out in front and pulling it to left field, which he's doing for power the last week or so. So hopefully this is something. I mean, we've always said it with Key. The guy doesn't need to be Mike Schmidt over there offensively. 
He's so good with the glove that if he's an average offensive player, that's a five plus war guy. So if he can give you slightly above average offensive output or anything like he's done at this last week can prove to be something he could turn into a month or two. You're, you're talking about a really, really good baseball player because he's so good with the glove. And even the glove this weekend, that lineup by Arenado in the first inning on Sunday with a runner on third and two outs, there was a double play he started on Saturday that he made look so incredibly easy. The ball was smoked. It had English on it. It took a hop. It was a very difficult play that probably at least half of third baseman in baseball don't make. And of the half who make it, probably 90% of them only get one out. And he made it a double play with ease. He is so good over there at third base. So if what he's done this last week offensively is any sign of things to come, man, the Pirates are looking at something special there at third base and keep Ryan Hayes. It just feels different with him at the plate too. It does. It just, he, he's oozing confidence at the plate. Exactly. Yeah. Like he doesn't look – there were so many times early in the season that bats, he looked defeated, he looked lost, he didn't look confident. And that – hasn't been the case at all these last four or five games. It's, you know, it's almost like he's going up there expecting to get a hit, which he never did before. Yeah, which is, you know, the game of baseball, I think at times um, you're going to get hot. You're going to get cold. Confidence is going to, is going to kind of roll with, uh, you know, however you're playing. Do you guys think the lineup placement has anything to do with this? Or I guess, what do you think uh, is the reason that he's had so much confidence and it's just so much more comfortable this last week and a half? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just the, the changes they've made. He he was talking on Sunday in the post-game show. He got interviewed on the field after the game, or I think it was before the game on Peacock. He said, regardless, he was ta- he was interviewed on the field on Sunday, and, and he mentioned adding a little bit of a toe tap and how he feels like that's helped him with his timing. Um, I'm sure that goes a long way too. Um, and you know how it is. Confidence, confidence is contagious, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. If you feel confident in your ability, if you're having success, success is going to breed itself. That's how it goes. I don't care if you're talking Major League Baseball. I don't care. I mean, like my oldest, this is the first year of Pony. He started the year like 0 for 10, and since then it's like 6 for 11. Like once you get that first hit and you start getting some confidence, it just spreads. That's that's life. So I, I think that's a big part of it too. And, yeah, it's just great to see. I mean, I think moving him out of that leadoff spot has probably helped too and take a little bit of pressure off. Um Plus, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon and Tucapito Barancano both have done so great at the top at this point. There's no reason to mess with that. But I'm sure that's helped also moving him down in the lineup or there's less pressure on a guy. Because, I mean, I'm not a huge believer in where you are in the lineup impacts your ability to hit. But I do believe that if you're struggling where you are in the lineup, you might put unneeded pressure on yourself. So I'm sure that's been a factor also. So I think it's a variety of things. But ultimately, I think the biggest thing is just the adjustments Key Brian Hayes has made at the plate. Um, leading to success, which has led to an increase in confidence and, you know, a, a, a positivity of snowball from there. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that as, you know, he's come up with big hits, the team is playing better also, you know, that's winning games. So he's showing, like you said, Marty, just the the value he, he can bring to this team if he is doing it on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, if – like you said, if he can continue that, that's just going to be a bonus uh, from him. Yeah, you know, w- one thing real quick, Trey, I'm sorry, I'll add there, Nick, is that you, you mentioned it's not a coincidence that he gets going at the plate and the team's playing better. People can say what they want about Key Brian Hayes. They can knock his offense, whatever it is. The guys want to be on this team. You know, they, yeah. they give him an $80 million contract extension for a reason. 
Hayes being successful at the plate is going to go a long way towards the Pittsburgh Pirates being successful. And I, again, I agree with you. I mean, it's a coincidence that we see Hayes looking more comfortable at the plate and all of a sudden the team's ripped off five wins, wins in a row and they're right back a half game behind the Brewers for first place in the division. Truly is kind of that glue guy, you know, and we've seen that uh, throughout his career. I think it might have been Cody that tweeted it earlier. It's kind of reminds you of 2020 Key Brian Hayes, early, you know, early Key Brian Hayes when he came up and uh, everybody was just kind of surprised by the bat. He wasn't supposed to have the power that he was showing early on. We're seeing that again. Um, that was our call to uh, to start the show tonight. So um, you just love to see it. A guy that, you know, doesn't have to be a superstar, but uh at the end of the day, if he gives you production like this, the team's going to win a lot of games. We're seeing them uh, do so again here as they creep into the month of June. A uh, real quick side note, Nick, I know you had the article on it earlier today. Why the hell Peacock? I mean, what is what is going on with this new Peacock-only uh, setup MLB is trying to push you? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like there's no answer that anyone's going to want to hear but what it comes down to is they paid enough money to get exclusive rights to games you know certain days a week you know and they were willing to pay that that next tier to make sure that they got the local blackout i guess you can you can call it but um yeah i mean it was interesting i thought uh overall i actually enjoyed the broadcast i get the frustration behind it um, I, fortunately I, I have it, uh, being an Xfinity customer, but you know, it's, it was cool to kind of see that mix and match in the, in the, um, booth where you had Albert and you had, uh, Bob walk, obviously kind of blending both sides. And I saw someone say, but it was a little more unfiltered. They felt like, which I kind of agreed. It did seem like Bob walk was a lot more loose, um, and overall, just like hearing those two guys who have, you know, how, how many rings between them and, you know, how many years played just in different eras too. Like it was just really cool to kind of hear perspective. And, you know, overall, like I said, I just thought it was a a, a, a good stream, but an unfortunate uh, circumstance. I agree. It's frustrating for people, I'm sure. Um, I also have Peacock. I don't know why I have Peacock. I just discovered a few months ago I have it. Tried to cancel it. It was a big production. I had to go through the Roku app on my TV. So for $6.59 a month, I just pay it instead of trying to cancel it, in all honesty. But, um, you know, kind of glad this morning I did. I agree, I agree with you. The broadcast I thought was really well. I thought, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of Bob Walk. Um, I feel like of all the pirate announcers, he, he and Wayner are the two who on TV or on the radio are not afraid to let the frustration show when it's there. And I agree with you. He was a lot more loose today. I thought Albert Pujols was awesome. I mean, as much as Pujols killed the Pirates over the years, he was always a great dude, always one of my favorite players in the majors as a kid. So I thought those two together were really good. Um, the in-game interviews are cool. Uh, Adam Wainwright talking about how he woke up this morning and his back was sore and his knees hurt. And then he looks out of the mound and Rich Hill, who's somehow four years older than him, is out there just shoving against the Cardinals, makes him realize he probably shouldn't complain. Like, even and even like, I don't know if you heard, but his commentary on Key Brian Hayes was really good too. Like, Wainwright talked about how, hey, we know when we pitch to him, he's a guy we can't let him get the ball out in front because if he does, he can do some damage. And we haven't pitched him well. And to his credit, he's made some adjustments and he's really starting to heat up. And he really sang the praise of Key Brian Hayes. And, you know, just 
he that was like the first time in my life that I didn't hate Adam Wayne. I know, right? yeah, that's how I like, felt too. I, I thought his interview was good too. I was yeah like, hearing hearing that from other players in game is really cool because that's the kind of perspective you're not gonna get otherwise. So I really enjoyed the broadcast also. I mean, I obviously I don't want this to be a norm all the time or whatever, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. I do think they're having one more this season. I think it's in July, maybe, but and I will say too, as someone who, between yard work and tomorrow being spring cleanup in here in Richland Township and having things I needed to get done around the house today, 11:30 a.m. first pitch is pretty cool because I was still able to jump into everything I needed to get done around the house for the day by about two o'clock or so, and uh, didn't really didn't really set me back too much. So I was a big fan of that. I love the 11:30, um, and you know, obviously none of us were there, but Jason Mackey tweeting about it. There was a buzz. I think still looked like a good crowd. Um, I think it's cool, you know, on Sundays to uh, to kick it off early like that. Maybe not every Sunday, but uh, it was nice. Got us got us out early. Got us out with a sweep. Um, but yeah, just a, a cool deal. And a big shout out to Marty for offering up his Peacock uh, account subscription. We won't uh, won't go over the details on our show here, but uh, appreciate that. Um, it's it gave you that players only kind of Peyton and Eli Manning cast kind of feel. I think in a sense, maybe a bit more professionally done. Um, but uh, just a cool deal, you know, and it's going to be exciting to see how more of that kind of stuff gets woven into these broadcasts and Major League Baseball in the future. Hopefully it's not that exclusive, but uh, the Pirates do get a sweep on Peacock on Sunday. Um, just a feel-good series. And obviously the Cardinals, um, you know, one of the most fun teams to, to get a sweep against. Marty, I know you're there on Friday. Did you try the, the new nachos or the, the new hot dogs they got going on, the funnel cakes? What was the setup like? Uh, actually, I kind of kept it. I kept it simple when we were there on Saturday afternoon. Um, we, uh, we we conquered and divided the concession stand between my dad and the two kids. And I, my dad took my oldest, then went down to Quaker Steak and Lube, grabbed a couple of different flavors of wings. My youngest and I hit the regular concession stand, got our got our bottomless popcorn bucket, got a couple hot dogs, got some nachos, got a soft pretzel. So we uh, we kept the basic. But man, you can never go wrong. We hit the ballpark, get a couple hot dogs, get some nachos with the cheese and the salsa. You know, that's it's just your basic nacho cheese and salsa and jalapenos, but it's just something always it's different when you have it at the ballpark, you know, how that goes. Same with the hot dog. It's just, you're a regular run of the mill hot dog. When we're at the ballpark, it hits different. It tastes different. It tastes better. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I want to get in. I'm going to get into those new, some of the new pierogies and stuff they have this year. I've, I've been to five games yet and having yet Cause I've only eaten inside twice, but uh, I, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Yeah. Well, we will be, uh, you know, at the game together. Yeah. This upcoming <laughs> Wait, yeah. What's Nick? And, and Marty, what's the best? Uh, what, what's the top concession spot in the entire ballpark? Listen, listen I mean, I I'm gonna be, you know, I'm a I'm a Quaker steak guy, Marty. You know, I love me some wings. Um, so that's always a, a, you know, a nice, consistent, easy thing to go to. The other thing I really like there's those uh, buffalo chicken tenders they they serve. I think it's just their general. Um, it's just like a regular like grill or whatever because whenever yeah. you come down out of the section where my season tickets are at right there it's called like the federal street grill or whatever there's like seven of them in the ballpark and they just that's one of those like when someone walks by with those you're gonna smell them and if you like that you know spicy buffalo chicken you're gonna you want it and that's that's usually my thing as well um I don't know. There's been a lot of new additions to the ballpark too over the last couple of years um, in terms of, 
you know, some some milkshake places in there. What's that place called? BRGR or something? Yeah, B- BRGR. It's solid. Uh, I mean, Manny's Barbecue. You can never go wrong. Uh, the food's great. You can talk to Manny Sangian. He's always going to have a good story for you. And, one, and even if you don't want to take a picture of Manny Sangian, it doesn't matter because Manny Sangian is going to want to take a picture of you. So you're not going to have a choice. Um, you can never go wrong there either. Yeah. I'm excited. I, uh, you know, I don't get to go to the ballpark quite as much. Um, always get icy lights. I think that's kind of the, the baseline. It's the first thing I do when I get there, but I'm excited to check it out. Excited to see this new scoreboard. Um, you know, and just all the, you know, the, the updates, the playground and everything else, uh, at PNC park here. Cause, um, I think it was summer 21 is the last time I had the chance. So, uh, excited to see it all. Excited to try it all. That, uh, that all sounds delicious, but Let's talk about uh, our sour pierogi. We talked about some maybe delicious ones, some barbecue-covered pierogies. Let's talk about the worst thing uh, that you guys saw this week, you know, that, that kind of stubbed the pirate's toe throughout the week. Obviously, a very successful one. But, um, you know, kind of the low point for you guys this week. I mean, that one's a little tougher, largely because it was such a good week for the pirates. Um, I will say on maybe a bit of a selfish note, my low point was I was really hoping Kutch was going to get 2,000 hits while I was there on Saturday. Um, had an 0-4 on Saturday. So he's still three hits away from 2,000 and about one double away from 400. They're getting ready to play Oakland. Um, Oakland is 12-49. and 49. Oakland is currently on pace to be literally the worst team in the history of Major League Baseball. I feel very confident he will get at least three hits against the A's pitching staff this week and get the 2,000 hits. But uh, maybe on a bit of a selfish note, I, I, my, my sour pierogi is that I was not able to be – in person for Andrew McCutcheon's 2000th hit. Cause when we're there on Saturday, excuse me, I feel very confident saying he will get to 2000 hits before we're there on Saturday. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, want him to get there this week at some point, but Hey, if he wants to wait until pirates Mets on Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, by all means, um, Nick, the worst thing you saw this week, or I guess just the low point. Um, you know, there there was two moments in today's game that kind of stood out to me that I just, like, bothered me. And one of them was uh, there was a double play opportunity in Castro. Um, he didn't exactly – I don't know what he did, but he didn't get the ball um, over to first base, obviously, obviously in time. So it wasn't a double play. And just watching a replay, it seemed very – like he was just kind of taking his time and you know it's one of those i'm glad we're winning i'm glad we're playing with confidence but you know i i hope that we don't take it for granted you know and and get lazy and make errors and you know just assume that things are going to work out every base runner matters especially in these um games against the cardinals so i just a little more urgency would have been, I guess, is what I was looking for there. And same with Jack Sawinski. Um, he came up late in, in the game with a guy on. And, um, you know, he watched two straight fastballs and then swung at fastball strike three. And it's just kind of frustrating because, you know, he's the type of guy that could put that game away with one swing. And, you know, it was just kind of – seem like why'd you even go up there <laughs> almost it just seemed like he, he uh wasn't really ready for the at bat at all so just kind of i maybe that's my thing staying in it just because we took two out of three doesn't mean you know and we're winning again doesn't mean it's just gonna happen i guess so 
just a little more energy in those certain situations. Yeah. And the defense has been terrible. I mean, all season, you know, generally, obviously there, there's highs and lows and we have the best defensive third baseman, uh, you know, maybe in this game's history, but um, Rodolfo Castro's defense has just been abysmal. And, uh, you know, I think you look around this team when they were winning, it was covered up. And uh, we've talked about it on here before it gets magnified when you lose and, um, you know, kind of get swept under the rug when you're winning games. So just more discipline, I think, defensively. I'm right there with you, Nick. Um, and just discipline for, for Swinsky, too, at the plate. Uh, my sour pierogi, I'm going to say Ron to Contreras is one bad inning. We've seen it. We've seen so much good, uh, you know, from Rowe. But, uh, you know, it's been one inning here or there. And obviously, his most recent start, one inning blew it up. Um, you know, in turn, what was looking like a, an outstanding start to that game into, uh, you know, obviously a much different situation. Glad to see the team figure it out. But um, just just frustrating because, you know, he's right on the uh, the edge of turning into that dominant starter that I think he will be. I think we all, um, you know, expect him to be at some point potential future ace of this team. But uh, Ron Contreras, that one bad inning. Let's see if we can clean it up into this week uh let's break it down a little bit further guys the st louis series um you know the pirates struggled to to win a series in the month of may uh but they start out the month of june with a sweep here your general thoughts um you know some of the the things you guys liked about this series lineup wise and uh you know i guess with some of the decisions we saw as well david bednar you know appearing in all three of these games and um I don't think anybody disagrees with that, with that decision. You get a chance to win the game, get a chance to sweep a team in your division, like the Cardinals, shut the door. I thought that move was um, just outstanding to see him again today. Yeah, I think one of the big moments of the series that really stands out for me is when they cut Chris Owings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, though, um, you could, you could kind of start to see a little bit of – the change in the roster coming up uh, through this series. And, you know, again, just the, the pirates over these three games had so many players, different players, different pitchers, especially, you know, be a part of this game. And it's just starting to show, I think that their, their depth is while we've talked about at the starting pitching level, especially it's becoming kind of shallow but overall i think their depth is becoming better um just better quality players and you know more reliable a guy like uh, marcano you know he's playing you know it's one of those like where is he going to play like you know three months from now if he keeps doing what he's doing so and even his outs are loud um you know it's just one of those things you're seeing guys slowly developing and you know, you see those, like you said, especially when you're playing good baseball, you see that that ceiling that these guys have. And it's just as, you know, gave me a lot of confidence, um, you know, moving forward, like Marty said, especially with some of the teams they're playing coming up here. Yeah, I mean, first off, I'll build off the Marcano um, comment real quick. I wrote, you know, earlier this week about him really seizing the job at shortstop since – uh, with with Cruz being injured in the last few weeks. And, I mean, I think he's definitely putting himself in a position where he keeps doing what he's doing. When Cruz is back, if if Cruz gives a shortstop, which, I mean, I think we need to keep adding the caveat between now and then. It's not a guarantee O'Neill Cruz plays shortstop again this year. There's definitely a scenario where he comes back and he's just your DH. But whenever O'Neill Cruz goes back to shortstop, whether that's now, whether that's next spring, whenever it is, 
if Marcano continues to hit the ball the way he has, he puts himself in that discussion for second base. There's no doubt. Um, I mean, you mentioned Nick the loud outs today facing one of the best left-handed relievers in baseball and Genesis Cabrera. Definitely a freaking drove a ball or straightaway center field that Tommy Edmond made a ridiculous catch. That was, that was mainly what I was thinking. Yeah, a- any other part of the ballpark, and that thing is way out of there. Um, he, he had, had two- a foul ball he jacked down the line pretty good too. Yeah, so yeah, he had two hits off a of lefty yesterday. Um, so you know that's the other big thing with him yeah. is like you said, he's he looks comfortable against lefties. Yeah. He, I mean, he started the year I think like one for fifteen against lefties, so. His overall stats against lefties probably don't look super pretty right now, but I think he's something like three for his last five or six, including that ball against Cabrera. And, and, you know, like you said, Nick, it's the eye test. If you're hitting the ball hard and you're making outs, you can see you're making progress as a left-handed hitter against a left-handed pitcher, right? You know, yeah. that was something we never saw, not, not to go down one of these rabbit holes, but that's something we never really saw from a Gregory Polanco from a Pedro Alvarez was that consistent, hard quality contact against lefties. Um, but, you know, w- with Marcano, that's what we're starting to see now. So I think he's setting himself up to remain in this discussion, to be an everyday guy, at least play pretty regularly, even once Cruz is back. So it's great to see there. Um, I-, I think they're, there is a lot starting to unfold with this roster. Like you said, I think we're going to see Andy Rodriguez soon. We're going to see Henry Davis soon. So, yeah, just just positives all around that. You know, this is a lineup that is certainly uh, taking shape. And I think Tucapita Marcano needs to be at the top of it each and every day. Um, you got good snacks, Marty? I, my fridge has honestly been so empty since the beginning of the summer. What's uh, what's the snack uh, – cabinet looking like there right now the yogurt's the popular thing at the moment so uh we got some yogurt i'll get you some of them i don't like it either but we got these mini zucchinis i'd never heard of such a thing before when my wife's co-workers told her about them um they're like the size of like a pickle i feel like this pepe rally nick um it, it's pretty <laughs> solid get, get some of that good ranch chip to go with it. solid stuff <sighs> It's too healthy, Marty. It's supposed yeah. to be well, it was summer, 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 summertime. We try to keep it fresh and healthy with the snacks. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I limit the potato chip and cheese it intake this time of year, which it really, I'm not to go off on a tangent here, but if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense because in summertime, when our kids are outside all day running around, never slowing down, that's more of the time here. I feel like they probably get away with eating junk, but uh, hey, whatever. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, let them enjoy it. You know, it's the summer now. It's uh, it's time, I think, um, you know, to enjoy some of that stuff. But I like the initiative there. I need more healthy snacks myself. And I don't understand the yogurt beef uh, from either of you two gentlemen, but that's all right. Um, good for your stomach. It's almost like a natural probiotic. But we won't we won't go down the rabbit hole any further. Like a <laughs> reflex. <laughs> all right. Well, that's fair. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> this has been half. This has been a half food podcast, half pirates tonight. I don't know. Uh, it's got, we're recording around dinner time. I think we've all had dinner though. I don't know what the uh, why food is, uh, you know, so so prevalent on the mind tonight. But uh, pirates are eating. How about that? Five in a row. Um, I completely lost my train of thought, guys. We started talking about mini zucchinis and yogurt. Um, but you know, at this point, we look at at, at a ball club that um, may have some youngsters joining it here real soon. Big news today: Henry Davis promoted to Indianapolis. Um, you know, I think there was a part of of everyone that just wanted to see him make that jump from Altoona right to Pittsburgh. Um, an older college bat when they took him in that uh, 2021 draft, they knew they were going to be able to move him relatively quickly. 
Uh, but Indianapolis now um, is going to be the next stop. What were you guys' thoughts when you saw this news uh, kind of break here? And, um, you know, what do you think it means for the timeline of Henry Davis? Well, my, my first thought with Henry Davis, the AAA, was how does this potentially impact Rodriguez? And I didn't realize it until Nick mentioned it before we went on air that apparently today for Indy, not only was Andy Rodriguez not in the lineup, he delivered the lineup card uh, to the umpires. So very much seems like maybe they're prepping him to move him up to the majors. Um, we'll see. I think we probably see both Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis in the major rather than later. Um, I feel like for most of the season, it seemed like Henry Davis would be here first just because the bat he was swinging. Um, but I thought he'd come straight here from double A, honestly. So we'll see what happens. You know, we, we've been very critical of Austin Hedges. Everybody has. But ultimately, I'm perfectly fine if we get into July or August and this team's still competing and we have a scenario where, you know, Andy Rodriguez is catching most days. Henry Davis is in right field most days, maybe catching once a week. And then Austin Hedges is still catching once every five, six days. You know, uh, if it's like a Luis Ortiz or Johan Oviedo, hey, you've had a rough start or two. We're going to throw Hedgie back there behind the dishery. This start up get you back on track. Or, you know, with Rich Hill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I can understand the scenario where Rich Hill doesn't want someone who's literally young enough to be his son coming out to the mound <laughs> to do a mound visit with him. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think those two coming to the roster means Austin Hedges is gone by any means. Um, I think it definitely spells the end of Jason Delay, which is fine. I mean, Delay's overall numbers this year offensively are perfectly fine, but he's been a disaster defensively. And he's something like five for his last 30 since the start of May. So those offensive numbers are finally starting to come down now that he no longer has a 400 batting average of balls in play or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're – I think we're close to seeing both of them in the majors. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, Marty, I, I was one of the ones pushing that Davis from – hit the nail on the head a little bit there with, you know, maybe, maybe when he arrives to triple a, we're not going to see him behind the plate very much. Maybe we're going to see him mainly in right field um, and really diving into that position head full on. But regardless, um, you know, it's that time of the year. Uh, Super two is, within reach um, every front office kind of is able to formulate 
what they believe that date is. So this could be suggestive that that the date is uh, very soon. Um, regardless, it's going to be exciting to see um, Andy Rodriguez when he comes up here, and we know that it's sooner rather than later. Um, like you said, in terms of hedges, you know, wait, what are you going to do with him? You're paying him five million dollars for the year. Um, you know, like you said, I think at the very least, he's someone that you keep here and you kind of keep rotating and allow to mentor these young guys. I mean, that's no, it's no lie that, uh, you know, they say it all the time that he is excused of his bad essentially because of what he brings to the pitchers and what he brings to the pitchers. If it's that special and we've seen, um, you know, the progress this pitching staff has made and, you know, every one of them give him credit first. So if he really is that talented, um, you know, of a defensive mind, then I want him to stick around with, with Andy and Davis. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like you said, how, how they get them in the lineup consistently here. What happens to some of the guys who are here? Um, you know, uh, there's a few guys, obviously, Mark Mathias, who you can move on from, uh, Jason DeLay, like you said, even. But, you know, another guy to talk about is Quinn Priester. He shouldn't be far behind either. He's been dominant at AAA at this team. Um, you know, we've talked about Rowanzi, and we, we've seen them maybe trying to put him in the pen. And I've mentioned about how we could maybe see a Phantom IL stint with him just to get him some break. So, you know, as much as we're talking about Davis being promoted to AAA, which Andy might be coming up, you know, there's there's some help on the other side too, potentially. Yeah, you mentioned Quinn Priester. I'm really curious to see what shakes out there. Because, I mean, Ronzi Contreras needs to figure something out with that fastball. I mean, his velocity's down, so maybe there is an injury or something or just, you know, the, the inning increase in the last few years catching up to him or something. But – they got to figure something out with that fastball. Um, Priester's been pitching really well, but man, you're if you move Roanzi Contreras to the bullpen, most of the time I wouldn't really have an issue with that. But you have no starting pitching depth left at all. Quinn Priester's it. So I, I'm very hesitant to not keep everybody stretched out in a starting role right now. Um, because I will say, if we get another month into this and this team is still contending, Ben Charrington needs to be doing absolutely everything he can to acquire a starting pitcher in July because this team's starting rotation. I, I know the overall numbers are solid, but it's not in a good spot, um, especially with the depth. But, yeah, I will be very curious to see what shakes out there. And, and like you said, making room on the roster of these guys is easy. Like, if you want to get Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis up here tomorrow, you could very easily send out Mark Mathias and Jason DeLay. Um, I will say, though, and I never thought in a million freaking years I'd be saying this, I think one thing that might keep Davis down a little bit longer, um, with the assumption he's going to come up and play a lot of right field, Josh Palacios has actually been really good. Um, and as long as he's swinging a hot bat, ride it out. 
you don't know how long that's going to last. Just ride it out. Um, because, I mean, right now, you probably don't want to send down Matthias without bringing up another guy capable of playing in the middle infield. And you don't want to send down Palacios because of what he's done offensively. But, yeah, just, just shout out to Josh Palacios. And uh, as critical as I've been of Ben Charrington at times, shout out to him for freaking killing the Rule 5 draft this year, man. People can say what they want about the Pirates losing Blake Sable. Um, I didn't have an issue with it. I still don't because with the catching situation, where was he going to fit in? Um, but Jose Hernandez looks like an absolute stud out of this bullpen in a building block kind of guy in the bullpen. And they might have found a diamond of the rough in Palacios too, where, you know, if nothing else, you might have a quality fourth outfitter who can hit right-handed pitching pretty well. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think anybody um, – I think the jury is still out, and we kind of go back and forth on Ben Charrington. I think at times in our group message and on Twitter and our Slack and whatever else, but, uh, you know, the way he's put this bullpen together is just masterful at this point. I mean, it's uh, – we knew it was going to have to be a surprise, uh, but just just how good they've been and, um, you know, kind of how it all came together. Uh, props to Ben Charrington. Do you guys think – and this is starting to get into the hypotheticals a little bit, and we're looking – you know, a month, almost two months plus down the road, do they make a move for a guy if they're in that situation? You know, looking at it now, four games over, you're up. Like, is it necessary or, you know, do we just treat this year as what it is, try to win with what you got? Because personally, I'm – I I will never – I don't care if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates or the New York Yankees. You should never have the mentality, win with what we've got, you never know what each season's going to bring. Who are you, you know, selling, though, Marty? I mean, who are we selling for? I, I, I get what you're saying, but you have no idea what you're going to be like next year. There's no guarantee. You might not be here again for five years. You can win this division. If you get into July with Milwaukee ahead of them, you absolutely have to go add, in my opinion. You're, again, like I said, I don't care if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, the New York Yankees, but. You're the Pittsburgh Pirates. You haven't won a division pennant since 1992. You haven't won a playoff series since 1979. If you're in position to contend, you need to go get help in July. Go address the starting rotation. The lineup has struggled. There's no doubt about it. I'm not as worried about the lineup because I think when you get Henry Davis, when you get Andy Rodriguez, when you get O'Neill Cruz back from injury, I think all of that will help a lot. But until then – your starting rotation needs help. You need to go get somebody. I know I will say I'm not looking to completely blow up this farm system to go get someone. Um, now, if the Chicago White Sox fall out of it and decide they want to tear it down, I'd move some pretty hefty pieces for a Dylan Cease, for a Luis Robert, something like that. But otherwise, I would be I'd almost be looking for like another Rich Hill. Give me a veteran who I know can consistently give me six innings give my team a chance to win and allow me to kind of bring my young guys along at their own pace. Still, if you get it, you have to go get help. You have to. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those like learn from our mistakes in the past. And, you know, we think back and we think about kind of the false hope that 2018 team gave us and, how much from that point on, essentially, the Pirates organization really started to crumble. So I agree with you. Like, I'm not ready to blow up the farm, but it's one of those things. It's 
you have to be particular and you know it has to be for the right guys and and obviously what you're giving up one nice thing about you know us versus you know other fan bases is like we understand our prospects we know which prospects are maybe a little overhyped or have some secondary numbers that suggest that they're not as good as they're actually producing and they're going to get exposed at the big league level like you know, you see so many teams over the years who have dumped those type of guys on us in trades, you know, your Andy LaRoches and your Jerry Sands of the world, but <laughs> just for a couple of random names. But like you, When you said, as soon as you started down that rabbit hole, Andy LaRoche is the first place my mind went. The dude came here with like the back of a 90-year-old. That whole trade. That. <laughs> the only good piece that came out of that trade was Brian Morris, who had an arm mission, became a reliever anyhow. Like Craig, Craig Hansen had that like one in one million neck injury. <laughs> nerve thing. Yeah, right. Like these things only happen to the pirates. Because they, they traded us uh Kevin Hart. Not Kevin, was that his name? Kevin yeah. Hart. And his shoulder exploded. Literally, like <laughs> Shoulder explodes and Jose Escanio or something yeah, like that. His name was. I don't even know. <laughs> what a disastrous time that was. But but that's what I mean. Like, how many times have teams been able to to acquire, like you said, Marty, serviceable veterans at the deadline who might be rentals or you know, might not be the player they once were, but you know, figure out who some of these prospects are that you, you're ready to kind of move on from and see if you can work something out. Uh, I do like the idea of the White Sox. I'm more in the Michael Kopech camp. I just think that would be a little cheaper to do than Dylan Cease. And uh, he has two years of control left. There's a lot to like about him. He's been very good the last couple months, um, couple weeks. So just kind of a, a guy I personally would like would like to see. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned you mentioned getting these veterans at the deadline, these rental guys for cheap. The, my example that people should remember in 2015, I could not for the life of you tell me who the Pirates traded for Ramos Ramirez. No idea, absolutely no, idea. no idea. And Aram came here, batted cleanup, and that was a huge RBI guy for the Pirates on the stretch in 2015. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think. That's the kind of example of what you're talking about. Same with Joe Blanton. Joe Blanton came here, was as good as any reliever in that bullpen, not named Mark Melanson. And again, I don't have the slightest clue who they traded for Joe Blanton because they gave up nothing. They gave up an absolute lotto ticket. And those are the kind of moves you need to be looking to make whenever you're a contender. I just, I remember the guy they traded for Ramirez was a shortstop turned reliever. I can't remember his name. You remember a lot more than I do. I have. I don't have any clue. <laughs> I want to say his last name was Barrios or something like that. But, yeah. And that's kind of my point. Like, you know, if you're looking at rentals at this point, at the deadline, because like you said, Mario, you're in it for a division title potentially this year, and you don't want to necessarily throw the team off, you know, this track that you work them so- – work so hard to get on um to me that makes the most sense um you know if there is a valuable guy with control out there the pirates are also in a situation 
to consider that deal finally. And they haven't been in that situation in, in, the, in quite a long time, you know, since the Chris Archer deal. But, you know, if the Chris Archer deal works out, the, the, the idea was, hey, they, they not only got a good pitcher, but he's on a very team-friendly contract. And, you know, it, it very quickly became not team-friendly because he was horrible. But if, you know, if a situation pops up like that with a team that is trending in the direction like they're trending in from the um, big picture perspective, you know, I definitely think they could consider that. And I would say that's a little this season that the deadline would be earlier than any, you know, we could have thought. So we'll see what happens. It's an interesting topic of conversation to the deadline. We're still a little ways away, but you know, it, it is one of those things like it feels weird talking about because I never, no one ever thought we'd be talking about, you know, it potentially buying um, at the deadline. So, yeah. You know, you mentioned the Archer deal. And that's part of why, you know, again, just to go back to the White Sox here, a guy, if I'm Ben Charrington, if I'm in this, I would be willing to move some pretty significant pieces for would be Luis Robert. You have him under control through, I think, I believe 2026, something like that. His extension was for like $8 million a year. It's very affordable. And if you can stick him with Brian Reynolds as two of your three spots in that outfield moving forward, especially because Robert is a legitimate center fielder, something you don't have, um, like that's the kind of move you make right now for the Pirates. So, and you know, if you can starting pitchers off the top of my head, Kyle Freeland in a similar situation contract wise, that would make sense there. I mean, Freeland probably is going to cost a little bit more than a guy like Robert would. Um, I mean, first off starting pitching is always going to cost more, but like, if you could tell me you could get a guy like that for a package built around something like Nick Gonzalez and like Anthony Salamedo, I'm not going to say no, because one, you don't know what those guys are ever going to amount to in the majors. And two, Again, you don't know when you're going to be in, in position to compete again. You have to you, – you're in, a, you're in a spot this year. This division is terrible. This division is terrible. The St. Louis Cardinals were the hands-down preseason favorites when the division they're 10 games under 500 on June 4th and show no signs of pulling out of this. The Brewers are off the, – the Brewers are pulling Julio Tehran and John Singleton off the scrap heap like it's 2015. Like they're, they're – the Brewers are not a good team. The Cubs stink. The Reds' young stud pitchers that were supposed to be so great. Graham Ashcraft looks like he couldn't get a Colt League lineup out right now. Like, this division is there for the taking. You've got to operate as such. Which is, you know, probably the right way to go about it. There's also, uh, you know, on the other side of that coin, it's like, well, this division is so bad. You know, maybe you don't have to add much to, to go on and win it. Um, but, no, it's, it's uh, you know, kind of like a metaphor with today's game. You have the opportunity to go close it out, make the right move, put in a David Bednar uh, in this situation. I guess, you know, add if it's necessary at the end of July uh, to get this team a division championship, something we have not seen in all my entire life. So let's see if, uh, you know, what they'll do. Fun to ask the question right now, though, on June the 4th, you know, when they are in this position before uh, before it changes, because it could change a lot, um, you know, by the time we get to the deadline. Um, but yeah, I think Luis Robert, I think that's uh, that would be a perfect move. This team was able to make it in some form or fashion. Um, already, uh, you know, getting pretty deep into this one, guys. Let's touch on another move real quick as we begin to wrap it up. Robert Stevenson uh, for Alika Williams this week. Texted it right away. 
why do the Pittsburgh Pirates trade with the Tampa Bay Rays? Um, why does any team trade with the Tampa Bay Rays? What was you guys' initial reaction to this deal? My initial reaction was that they were probably going to cut Robert Stevenson. And before they made that move, they called teams that they knew were in need of pitching. The Tampa Bay Rays um, are having, you know, a heck of a year, but it seems like they're putting another pitcher on the IL every week. So I, I really think that it's not so much the Rays being like, Ooh, we're about to come and unlock this guy as more. It's, them just looking for guys who they know can give them somewhat decent innings uh, as they, you know, continue to move forward through this season. Um, But, you know, I get the initial reaction, you know, we've been talking about 2018 a lot to Chris Archer trade. Like, you know, we all are scarred from that, Uh, but I'm not going to lose too much sleep over Robert Stevenson having success um, in the American league East. Yeah, Robert Stevenson could go to Tampa Bay and turn into Mariano Rivera, and I'm not going to feel bad about this because clearly whatever he was doing in Pittsburgh wasn't working. Honestly, when I saw he was traded, my first thought was, thank God Robert Stevenson can never pitch another high-inning leverage or high-leverage inning for the Pittsburgh Pirates again. Um, And, you know, with Malika Williams, I think there's something there to work with. The bat, obviously, is a huge work in progress there, make no doubt about it, but it seems like he's an absolute plus defender at shortstop. And, you know, if you can play shortstop at a high level, you can play third base and second base at a high level. You can do that. You've got a spot on a major league roster one day as, as a quality utility infielder. And, you know, it, when, when you look at what Stevenson was giving this team, adding a guy who might be a quality down the road is a lot more than what Stevenson was giving. I will say one thing that's interesting with Williams that, you know, I was looking into a little bit is, well, first and foremost, he was a uh, MLB pipeline, I think had him as their number 40 prospect going into his draft year. And the the Rays took him at pick number 37, gave him almost $2 million. So, you know, obviously there there's believed to be some talent there. He has never been bad at the minor league level. He just hasn't been impressive by any means. So, you know, I think his ceiling at this point is probably like a utility guy, like you said, Marty. Um, But, you know, for them to be able to get someone who, uh, you know, like I said, was a decently looked at prospect during the draft. He has a 40 future value on fan graphs. Um, You know, it's, he was ranked 27th in a race system, just getting more prospect depth, getting more talent. You know, it's never a bad thing, especially pulling out of the race system. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is his ISO numbers is way higher this year than it's been in his career. His slugging I noticed was up. So that's why I looked into his ISO and it's like, it, it was under a hundred, I believe. Let me see here. Yeah, it was last year between double and triple at 0.05. And now it's at 0.179 for this year. And his K rate's um, below 20%. So is he someone that they identified as, hey, you know, he might be turning a corner and starting to develop into what we thought back in 
his draft days and the Pirates looking at opportunity is kind of jump on that. I don't know. But overall, really a, a nothing trade, but I would say it's a little more than that just because that you're you're getting an, a prospect who actually has like a profile. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. You can never stockpile enough guys like Williams, I think. Um, kind of at first reminded me a little bit of that Michael Chavis deal with Boston. Um, Chavis, more high profile, but, um, you know, sort of a nothing trade where you feel like you're just getting the upper hand uh, based off of the metrics. Um, and, and you know, now, Marty, I think it was Stevenson, right, that uh, that you tweeted about never feeling comfortable on the mound. Or was that? Uh... Uh, you know, Stevenson drives me nuts, man. I, or did, I should say. I was – I had the misfortune to be at that game against Arizona a couple Saturdays ago where um, Derek Shelton decided to pull Mitch Keller for whatever reason. And to make it worse, he went to Robert Stevenson instead of Dowry Moreta and just, just things went south. And I, I'm pretty certain from that outing until the time he was traded, Stevenson allowed runs every time he took him out except for one. So just things just completely blew up on him. And his peripheral showed that he was a ticking time bomb even when his ERA looked good and it just eventually burst. Yeah. This move, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think only uh, shows at least net benefit as of now. Um, but a whole lot of nothing. Uh, anything else, guys, as far as the big league level you want to get into? And, of course, uh, we touched on it earlier with Henry Davis. But uh, anything from the minor leagues? Anything else, I guess, that stood out to you guys? Um, Marty mentioned him earlier. Anthony Solomedo uh, went six strong innings again this week. And he just continues to develop uh, – you know, and show why the Pirates wanted to make sure they grabbed him in that 2021 draft and pay what they needed to. He uh, quickly is becoming, you know, one of their best pitching prospects. And, you know, he's someone that we were talking about player movement earlier. You know, he definitely should be looking to get a promotion here uh, shortly. He was second. He was the second pick in that draft, right? It was Solomon yeah. and then Chandler. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, actually, it's, it's, so it was Davis, Solomeda, then it was Lonnie White Jr., then oh, Chandler. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Lonnie White, actually, I saw a video um, on Twitter of, of him getting into some game action down at Pirate City, I believe. So, you know, it's good to see at least him getting back on the field, and hopefully, you know, that can be more more so the rest of this year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I know this is a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast, but uh, some of us would tell you Lonnie White Jr. should have stuck the wide receiver as a uh, if you know, you know kind of comment. Yeah, there's a few of those guys because somebody else was committed. That Bubba Chandler was a quarterback commit to Clemson. Oh, yeah, Bubba was a quarterback yeah, commit to Clemson. But I know, Trey, I know you agree with us. Anytime something bad happens to Dabo Sweeney, that's a big victory for oh. America. So. I won't. I won't get uh, into the rabbit hole too far, but uh, <laughs> yes, that 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 didn't uh, that didn't hurt anything that day. Um, hey, real quick, Marty. I mean, you know, Lonnie White Jr.'s issue has been staying healthy on the field. Not sure how much success football would have led to. <laughs> Playing wide receiver is not going to cause you to need Tommy John surgery. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, with uh, with the quarterback. Sean Clifford that they had the past few seasons um, might have put him in some bad positions. I don't know, but better days now for Penn State football, uh, and hopefully better days for the Pirates as well. Let's see if they can keep this rolling. Um, five game winning streak now, guys, and as we begin to close it out, 
just kind of your general thoughts on what is to come here in the month of June. Obviously, Oakland coming into town, uh, took two out of three from Atlanta just a couple weeks ago, so who knows. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about it right at the top of the episode. What an April, um, you know, in such a forgettable May, and now into June, we're still kind of figuring out what this is in 2023. What do you guys think this is going to be the rest of the month? Um, you know, just kind of your final thoughts as we wrap it up here on this episode. I will say the month of June presents a tremendous opportunity for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, if you look, if you look at the Brewers, they have one more game at the Reds on Monday. They then play Baltimore and they get their series with Oakland, but then they go to Milwaukee. They've got or go to Minnesota. Excuse me. They've got three with the Diamondbacks. They've got four at City Field. They've got to go to Cleveland for three. And you look at the Pirates' schedule for the month of June, you you get your three games with Oakland, you get the Mets at home instead of having to go to City Field. You've got six games against the bad Cubs team. You've got three games at home against the scuffling Padres team. And you go to Miami against the Marlins team you probably match it pretty well with. And then you got four games between the two teams. So you play Milwaukee four times this month, really – I guess you can kind of say six times because the last day of the month you start another three-game series with them. So from now until the 2nd of July, you're going to play the Milwaukee Brewers six times. The other games in between, you have a much simpler schedule than Milwaukee this month. Things are set up for the Pirates to potentially go into, you know, head into the 4th of July with maybe a game, two, three-game cushion over Milwaukee in this division. Obviously, that's putting the card ahead of the horse. I'll be the first person to say that. This team has a lot to prove before they get to that point. But the way their schedule sets up this month in comparison to Milwaukee, combined with playing the Brewers six times in the next 30 days, there is every opportunity in the world for the Pirates to go into the 4th of July in control of the National League Central Division, which is something I never would have thought possible in spring training. So at this point, it's up to Shelton and it's up to these players. It's up to Ben Charrington to help this roster to make that happen because opportunity is knocking right now for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think we're going to learn a lot about this team this month. Different than May because in May we thought we were going to learn a lot because the schedule was challenging and things didn't go well. This month the schedule is not as challenging. You still can learn a lot because you have an opportunity. You got through that month of May. Andrew McCutcheon commented on it and made a great point. They'd rather have their struggles in May and kind of learn from it and move on than have them in September when they're contending, right? I mean, we saw that before. We saw that in 2012 where September was their terrible month and it sunk the entire season. So you'd rather have their struggles now. Have they learned from them? It looks like they may have. The early returns are good. But this month is an opportunity for the Pirates to surpass Milwaukee as the team that controls this division Let's see if they can do it. Sorry, I was muted. You know, not just to have those struggles in the month of May early on, but to have those struggles while the rest of the division is also having those struggles. So you don't fall far out of contention, uh, which is what they did. And now they're back in the first place in June. Uh, Nick, your, your final thoughts tonight. Yeah, I- you know, want to just echo everything Marty said. I think this is obviously a big month and a big opportunity for them to take advantage of their schedule also and, you know, really start to put some distance uh, 
between themselves and the rest of the, the, the central. And I think, you know, this couldn't come at a better time either because, you know, like Marty said, by July 4th, it'll paint a pretty clear picture of, you know, what this team's future outlook for the rest of the season is. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the trade deadline earlier. Like, you know, I think we'll have a much better idea at that point, obviously, um, you know, if this team truly is a contender or not. And, you know, the other opportunity, you know, especially for this month of June is on June 10th to come on out to the Federal Galley to come hungry to what I heard. Heard there's a lot of good food options there. About five different restaurants I heard inside, five different types of restaurants, including a bar. So, you know, get your friends, come on out, hang out for a little bit before the game, head over. We'll be heading over to the game as well. So, you know, hope to hope to see some of you out there, hope to meet some of you. Uh, you know, yeah. It's an excited it's we're excited. You know, first live podcast. It's an exciting time. Got our own host, Pump for Trey, who's flying in for it and everything. So, hope to see you guys out there. Well said, Nick. Well said. Come out, guys. Come meet us. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, we started this podcast in March of 2020. It's uh, June 2023. We're about to meet each other all for the first time. So, that's pretty cool, too. Uh, come meet us, though, along with it. And, um, you know, be sure to to stop in. We're just me hanging out. Don't know an exact time quite yet. Um, we were talking before we started recording. Game that day is, uh, what, guys, 4.05 first pitch. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can get there around 11 noon. But uh, follow our Twitter. It's another good reason to follow our Twitter because uh, we're going to update, keep you guys in the know for what's going on at the Federal Gallery this Saturday, June the 10th, uh, ahead of Pirates Mets. And, you know, hope to have some special guests on with us as well. So um, going to be a really fun day. Cannot wait for you guys. Uh, cannot wait to, you know, get into this series into uh, Oakland as well this week. Should be some fun. Um, you know, hopefully this is not the telling series that we learn all too much about here to start the month of June. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Anity. One more time, guys, follow us on Twitter at Rumbunter and check us out at rumbunter.com. All kinds of articles going out, breaking down the Davis promotion, this Cardinals series, and uh, why the hell baseball decided to put this game on Peacock and only Peacock. Until next time, let's go Bucks, everybody. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.